Please listen as I read God's word from 1 Samuel 16. Apologize to jump in a little bit in the middle of the narration here. I want to focus on the anointing that takes place. This is after Samuel is gone and uh, uh, sorted through all of Jesse's sons that were present, and he asks, Are, are there, aren't there any others? And I'll take up in verse 11. Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. The spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. That coming of the Holy Spirit stands out in the Old Testament because there is something of a, 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 of a gradual unfolding of our understanding of the role and nature of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the role and nature of the Trinity. Unfortunately, when I speak of the Holy Spirit, our minds often gravitate today to what are often called the miraculous gifts of the Spirit and of the spiritual gifts. And unfortunately, as our minds gravitate in that direction, we can often become distracted from the giver of those gifts, from the Holy Spirit himself. And so today, in the context of David's anointing, I want to focus on the practical aspects of that anointing but I also want to call attention to the role of the Holy Spirit for David and for us today because God gives the Holy Spirit to us and he gives gifts of the Holy Spirit so that we might serve one another and serve Christ in his church. Today, I have to give you a phrase to hang this sermon on. I put it this way, that the The gifts of the Spirit come from the gift of the Spirit. The exhortation coming from that is to use the gifts of the Spirit for the good of the church. Well, let's begin with the fact that David was anointed with oil. There are some practical implications that come from this designation that David receives by the anointing with oil. We've actually come across this before in 1 Samuel. Saul was anointed, and I made the point there that that in the Old Testament times that this practice was a way to designate those that would lead God's people. So you'll find that kings are anointed and priests are anointed. They serve very special roles in the life and ministry of the Old Testament people of God. So when Samuel anointed David, he was designated him as the next king of Israel. I hope you remember that Saul was continuing to serve and there was 
providential wisdom in that. God was providing for a smooth transition in leadership. But there's more to it. David was anointed but didn't begin to serve, and there's, uh, there's wisdom in that. It's been said that high callings require early preparations. The fact is that here that David is a young man. It's supposed that he was no more than 20 years of age. That means that at his anointing, there were some practical implications by this designation. It serves to give him direction in his life. It gives him direction in his thoughts, in his prayers, even in his preparation for what God would have him to do. He could gear his life around this calling that the Lord was placing upon him. He understood that the Lord would have him one day serve as king. And David wanted to do that in a way that glorified God and brought good service to God's people. From this, you can kind of back up and take a look at David's life and and discern certain ways in which his life provided training for what would happen in his later life. We know this because David himself speaks of it. Later, when he, he speaks to Saul about what God had done in his life and why he was fit to go and battle the giant Goliath, maybe the children remember this part of David's life, the king Saul said to David, well, how can you fight against a giant? You're just a boy. And David said, that may be true, but when I kept my father's sheep, God gave me courage to fight against lions that came and tried to attack the sheep. The Lord was using these experiences to prepare David for something that would happen later in his life. That means that David was trained to be a king, but not in a school of kings. There were schools of prophets, we know, in the Old Testament, but we don't read of any schools of kings. Uh, there, there was some family training that, uh, that surely went on. Instead, I like to call David's school the school of the shepherd. So just what did David learn? Well, I've already called attention to one aspect. David was there as a, as a defender of the sheep. He learned what it meant to protect the sheep from wild animals that would try to attack. At night, he would lie down at the door of the sheep pen so that no sheep could go out, no sheep could go out, and no robbers could come in. He was also uh, involved in, in, uh, in feeding the sheep. Psalm 23 says that my shepherd leads me into green pastures. Jesus describes this as well in the New Testament that the shepherd leads his sheep in and out so that they find food to eat. And there's water that animals need. They're, they're nurtured so that they have everything they need. There's also the fact that a shepherd would 
tend and care for those that were wounded. He would carry those who were young or sick. He would go out and find those that were lost. Now, I have to confess that when I, when I think about the role of a shepherd, I tend to romanticize it as a, as a peaceful, contemplative, quiet job. You'll, you may seem, uh, you may picture this in your mind of, of the shepherd reclining under a tree, the sheep kind of wa- wandering around in the pastures and uh, maybe he has his phone open and he's reading a good book. <laughs> That's not really the role of a shepherd, is it? Shepherd is one of those dirty jobs when I use that phrase, maybe you can think of the TV show that popularized those dirty jobs that no one wants to do. Being a shepherd was kind of like that. The host of that TV show, Mike Rowe, would go around the country and he would find people who were working in those jobs that, uh, that we would shudder to take up. And one of the things that was fascinating about it is, well, why would they do that dirty job? And I've described the caring of sheep as something of a dirty job. It was hot. It was dangerous. It was dirty. It was something of a lowly, menial job. Important nonetheless, but menial. What were some of the lessons that they learned? According to Mike Rowe, One of the things that he found was that there were people who understood that this was an important task and and that that they took satisfaction in day by day by day completing that task. It wasn't something that was left to the next day unfinished. They did their job. And there's faithfulness in doing that job. From a Christian perspective, we have a word for that. That word is vocation. That's come to be used in in the secular world to talk about the job that you have, what you do to earn a paycheck. But the Christians of the Reformation uh, took this word and invested it with with an incredible amount of Christian understanding. The word vocation has embedded within it the the meaning of a calling, a calling by God to do some work. So one commentator calls a vocation taking your skills and applying them to the plot of your life that God has given you. And the plots of our lives will vary in purposes, but the, uh, uh, with uh, purposes and exercise, but there is a similar principle to bring to your labors that the kingdom of God is at work in you and to bring to bear the kingdom of God in whatever you do, whether it be the job that brings money, the calling that may be a homemaker or raising of children, or a student, or a child. You each have a place that God has placed you right now. 
And that vocation is God-given. There's something of that about David who understands that he had a job to do as a shepherd. And doing that job prepared him for later doing another job that God had prepared for him, the role of being a king. You can also see other godly characteristics that come through in David that are learned in the school of shepherd of the shepherd there's a certain humility that is that comes from faithfully doing a lowly task but doing it knowing that that job was not beneath him he took it up and did it with with a will there's attention to those that are in need he, He cared for the animals that were placed in his hands. There's perseverance. There's stick-to-itness. He didn't turn aside because the job got hard or dangerous or or monotonous. So just think of, of how David later could look back on the school of the shepherd. And he could say to King Saul, I was prepared for this moment by God himself. I was prepared for this. This principle of training is one that is instructive for us today. And it falls in this this aspect that will lead us to the Holy Spirit, which equips us to do that work. But let's pause and think of the practical aspects of training that are instructive to us today. You see, God has providentially placed you right now where he wants you to be. And you can serve him faithfully doing that work that God has called you to, to the best of your ability, to the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you work outside the home or inside. It doesn't matter if you're paid by a wage or by an allowance or by the sloppy kisses of your children. God has placed you right there. You have a vocation, a calling by God himself. And you can do that work to the glory of God with faithfulness and humility, and attention to those in need, and stick to itness. And think about the training that may be happening. You are, what you're doing now may not be all that you had planned for or prayed for, but that's okay. God is in it. And it may be that God has other work for you to do in the future. What can you learn right now? Commentator Phillips calls attention to this by saying, this principle applies to all Christians. If you would desire to be useful to the Lord, you should devote yourself to preparing your character and tending to your spiritual growth right now. You prepare yourself to serve the Lord in the school of scripture, in the discipline of prayer, and in the practice of serving Christ's church in even the most menial ways. The Lord has purpose in these 
practical places that he has set you right now. So take that to heart. Understand where you are and say, Lord, how can I glorify you right now? How can I serve your kingdom right now? What character traits are you developing in me right now? And here again, I want to get the children's attention because the Lord has placed you right now where you are. And your parents are giving you things to train you, to help you grow up, not just physically, but to grow up in your character. So you may not be in the school of the shepherd. You may be in the school of the vacuum or the school of the lawnmower or the school of the dirty dishes. God has purpose in that. And I want you this week to think about how you go about those jobs your parents have for you and to say, I'm glorifying God in doing this job and then do it happily because God is in it. Not only is God in it, and not only is God preparing you, but, but he's equipping you, and specifically he's equipping you by the Holy Spirit to do whatever that work is that God has called you to do. And this leads us to... The fact that not only was David anointed with oil, but David was anointed with the Holy Spirit. When the Old Testament prophets and priests used oil to anoint, it was a sign of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the most beautiful and plain statement of this comes in Isaiah 61. I read it today in the call to worship. It came up in the New Testament reading because Jesus reads it and applies it to himself. It's a, it's a passage that foretells the coming of the Messiah, the anointed one, or, or Jesus. And, and I want you to hear these verses again. It says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. And the passage goes on to describe really the, the, uh, the, the vast and various ways that our Savior has, has ministered to us. But it is applied as well to, the, uh, to all of the anointings that foreshadow Jesus Christ. And so for now, focus on that phrase, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And we see those two come right together in David's life because Samuel comes and anoints him with oil and uh, then records that the Holy Spirit came upon him that day. Well, why is this so important? It is because that spirit of God is given to equip David to do the work that God called him to do. The Lord was calling him to do a, really a very important thing. 
to be a shepherd of sheep and then a shepherd of people. And in God's economy, both of those things are important. And God equipped David to put his hand to whatever that work was in a way that would glorify God and serve his people. That anointing with oil was the outward ceremony, but it represented something more. It represented the giving of the Holy Spirit to equip David. So let's go back into the school of the shepherd and to think of David as a young man and to anticipate those character traits that are so important for for really whatever work you do, but in this case, to be a king. David was a young man, and so the Holy Spirit gave him wisdom in order to know how to lead. The Spirit gave him courage to face enemies, enemies from without and enemies from within. The Lord gave him a shepherd's concern for the people that he ruled. And it's fascinating to see that that concern was not only for their physical safety, but was for their spiritual well-being as well. Think of what Psalm 23 describes. The Lord is my shepherd. And it goes on to describe the physical care for us as God's sheep, but also the spiritual nurture that is necessary for us. And as a king, David would care and have a concern for the physical needs of his people, but also their spiritual needs. God was equipping him to provide in both of those areas. And the Holy Spirit would be an ever-present reminder that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had called him to this task. And so when the work of the king became hard or lonely or discouraging, David could stick to it, knowing that God had promised to never leave him or forsake him. Well, here again, David's experience translates well to our New Testament experience. Because God continues to give his spirit to equip you to do the work that God has for you to do. We can think of that in a number of ways. I'd like to give two important applications here. The first has to do with leaders who serve the church. We don't anoint with oil today like they did in the New Testament. Instead, we practice what's called ordination. When there are leaders that will serve the church, elders and deacons, these leaders are ordained. We've experienced this in the life of our congregation. We have announced and look forward to Stephen's ordination in September to serve as a pastor. And this is what will happen. There's, there's, there's a certain ceremony aspect to it, but it's weighty. There's more to it than just an outward ceremony. In the midst of that service of ordination, the elders of the presbytery will gather around Stephen and we will lay our hands on Stephen's head and shoulders 
and pray for him that the Lord will equip him to do the task that God was calling him to do. And there's significance to that where there's a setting aside to this service that is important. There's a designation towards the office that comes through. And there's a prayer that God himself would be with him. That God would grant him the wisdom and the courage and the shepherd's concern and the stick to to serve as a shepherd of God's people. God has promised that he would give his spirit to equip all of his leaders to do what he asks him to do. But God gives his spirit to every believer. God gives his spirit to you. And he equips every believer. There's a giving of his spirit that, that has to do with salvation. The spirit quickens a dead heart. It seals us in union with Jesus Christ. There are ways in which the spirit testifies to us that we are a child of God, redeemed from the world, so that we can cry out to God, Abba, Father, the spirit is at work in all of us in a saving way. But there is also this equipping nature of the spirit. And here's where the spiritual gifts come in. And it's where I said at the introduction of my sermon, the, the place that our minds often immediately will gravitate towards the miraculous gifts of the Spirit that were demonstrated in the New Testament, demonstrated to verify the work of Jesus Christ and the truth of the gospel that he brought. We can sometimes gravitate to those in a way that, that, uh, that begins to elevate the gifts above the giver. And I want to, I want to reorient your thinking about the spiritual gifts that God gives by emphasizing that God gives you his Holy Spirit and he gives it for a purpose that you may glorify God and that you may serve his church. You see, God has called you to serve him. You have a vocation. You have a calling. And as he calls you, he equips you to do what he calls you to do. That means that no matter what the circumstance that you're in, and some of them may be dirty jobs, some of them may be hard relationships, some of them may be very distressing, but the Lord is with you. And he gives his spirit to walk with you and to train you and to equip you to serve in a way that glorifies him in every aspect of the walk of life that you are in. Now, the New Testament does describe that the Holy Spirit blesses with a variety of spiritual gifts. And those are, are worthy of consideration 
because those are, are, are certain ways that there's blessing that is given to the church. But see them in that broader context of the Lord calling you to serve him, of the Lord equipping you to glorify him, and the Lord giving you gifts to be of service to the church around you. What a rich blessing it is to be anointed by the Holy Spirit, which every believer has. This point is reinforced by the third point in my, uh, my sermon in your outline, that Jesus himself was also anointed by the Holy Spirit. And this is a, it's a, a fascinating parallel between David and Jesus and a fascinating lesson for us today. Remember that Jesus is called the Christ, which is translated the Messiah or the Anointed One. And remember that when Jesus started his public ministry, that he went to John the Baptist to be baptized. This was to fulfill all righteousness because Jesus came to re represent us in our humanity. And then at Jesus' baptism, remember I called your attention to the fact that, 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 that the heavens were open and the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus Christ in the form of a dove. And the Heavenly Father spoke from the heavens and said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. You see, God was providing for his people. He provided the Son who came to be a Redeemer. And he provided the Spirit who would sustain the Son, who would minister to the Son and through the Son, so that within this wonderful relationship of the Trinity, that Jesus Christ was enabled to do the work that the Father called him to do. And you can see that as you read through the Gospels. In our summer book study on the Trinity, the author has called attention to this. And he invites you to read through the Gospels and take note of the role of the Holy Spirit. And it is often coupled with enabling the Lord Jesus Christ to do the work that he had to do. As just one example, read through Luke chapter 4. I read a portion of it today. It starts off with the Spirit leading Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit led him to do that. This too was to fulfill all righteousness so that Jesus would be tempted in all ways as we are and yet without sin. And then, as I read in Luke 4, it says that he came back to Galilee and he came back and he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to take up his public ministry. And what was that? The preaching and teaching ministry that was his. And so it was that 
he entered into the synagogue in Nazareth and he took up the book of Isaiah and he read from it those words that I've been, I've been mentioning over and over again, that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. And having read that, he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in me. Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Growing out of this passage about David, then the application comes comes down to this, that Jesus, too, was anointed, that Jesus, too, had a, a sense of, uh, of dependence and nurture by the third person of the Trinity, that he depended on him to live a righteous life, to fulfill the ministry of redemption. And so Ryan McGraw, in the book I mentioned, says, that Christ here gives us a pattern for service. He used the gifts of the Spirit from the Father for the good of the church. He used the gifts of the Spirit for the good of the church. And I'll say again, all too often, we focus on the gifts for selfish reasons. It seems like out of pride or, or selfishness, we want to be something. And we think that those, those gifts will elevate us in the eyes of others. And we make it as if the, the gifts are there to serve us. And the Spirit is there to serve us. But that's wrong-headed. Christ has given his spirit. The Father has sent his spirit to give you life, to equip you to do the work that he has called you to do. And he has given you these spiritual gifts so that you might be a blessing to others, so that the body of Christ may be built up as each and every one of you does that work that the Lord has called you to do so that the body functions and the body builds itself up together in the nurture of the Lord Jesus Christ by the anointing of the Spirit. I pray that the Lord would richly bless each one of you as you meditate on the fact that the Lord God has given you his Spirit the spirit that gives you life, the spirit that gives you gifts. I pray that you would use those gifts to the glory of God and to the service of the church. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we do pray in thanksgiving for the way you have blessed us with your spirit. God, we ask that you would, uh, would bless us even today that we would use your spirit not that to elevate ourselves or to promote our own uh, self-interests, but instead that we would joyfully learn to serve others. We would have 
a sense of that school of the shepherd that nurtures us in the service of one another. God, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us and equip us to do the work that you have for us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's praise God for the anointing of David. And in praising God for the anointing of David, let's praise him for the anointing of Christ and the gifts of the Spirit that are given to us. We'll sing Psalm 89D. Let's stand to praise God. 